George Kritikos here to talk to you about the Player Raider podcast. Along with co-host Ryan McDowell, we leverage the DLF player valuation tools and help inform you on your dynasty roster strategies. Whether you're joining a new startup, rebuilding a team, or maybe you're just not quite at contention level yet, we help you understand player values and how to really drive your team forward as dynasty owners. Tune in and enjoy the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. This is episode 324. I am your host this week, Matt Price, here with my friends Dan Myler and Ryan McDowell. Dan, uh, another week, uh, another tie in the NFL. This time for our Packers, man. How did Week Two treat you? I treated me pretty good as a as a fantasy fan. Uh, it was great, really. Um, lots of scoring, lots of the big names that we depend on came through. Uh, some disappointments, of course, and then some news, you know, that wasn't so great as well. But all in all, everything went well. The you know, uh, could be worse. He could be Clay Matthews today. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan, week two might have even been more fun than week one. How was your week two in fantasy? I think you said you went ten and zero in your your kitchen sink leagues. How about week two? Yeah, I had another. I had another good week. Uh, it was a fun week. I, I love all this scoring. Uh, Rich Rebar had a, a tweet today about how many uh, how many more passing touchdowns there have been just through two weeks, um, and, and it was it was ridiculous. Thirty thirty something more pass touchdowns between uh, these first two games than the first two games of last season. Really, really crazy. But that makes it fun for us. Yeah, in fantasy, it's great. I do. I did hear a lot of people this week talking about how they like the defensive side of football too. <laughs> Just give me all the points, man. Um, well, let's dive into to the news here for week three. The first one we got to get out of the way, of course. It was rumored that Josh Gordon was going to be released by the Browns on Monday uh, over the weekend there, but it ended up they actually traded him the Patriots for a conditional fifth round pick. Um, so we'll go right back to you, you here, Ryan. Is this a sell opportunity to finally get off the Gordon train if you've been riding it for the last six years? Or are you going to enjoy the ride uh, and, and maybe hope out, hope for uh, some big production weeks coming forward? A lot of people have been saying that this is the you know the best receiver they've had since Randy Moss. I don't know if I'm really going that far. But uh, what do you think you're going to do here with Gordon? Yeah, there's been so many opportunities to to buy and sell him over the years. Just really, really, so many ups and downs with him and his career. It's it's crazy and, and honestly, just kind of sad. I thought this would be another really great opportunity to sell him. I do have one share left that I would gladly part with. Uh, I'm having trouble finding a buyer, and in general, in, in conversations uh, across my leagues and on Twitter and things, I'm. It seems like everybody agrees with me. Everybody wants to sell and not buy Josh Gordon. So if I could get a 2019 first, I would be a seller, but that hasn't happened yet. I've seen him go for firsts in leagues. Uh, I think if we pulled the DLF trade finder, we'd find a couple of them. But, yeah, I've been the same thing. If I can get a late first for him, I'm taking it. But for a second, I think I'm willing to hold on. Dan, how about you? Yeah, same thing. I've been a seller 
for quite a while on Gordon. And it's not even that I'm that far down on him. It's just that I'm, I'm done with it. You know, I, I'm, I'm over it. I, I, I've, I've moved on. I, and, and I feel like at one of these, any day now, we're going to get our last chance to sell. And our last chance to sell for a first-round pick, for sure. And I don't know if it's this time. It, it might not be. In fact, his value could go up. And there still are a lot of people that feel like it's going to. And, and even that it just did by him uh, being connected to Tom Brady now. But I, I just can't get on that bandwagon anymore. I, I saw a tweet today that said the New England Patriots have made 21 wide receiver-related transactions since, like, August 1st. And that's at least twice as many as any other team. So they're searching. That that seems like a, well, we got to do whatever we can to see what we got. They've moved on from a lot of receivers, and none of them were quite as good as Josh Gordon or didn't certainly didn't have the potential. But I, is anybody going to be shocked if Josh Gordon is released in, in the next few weeks? I, I won't be. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but uh, I... I see this as the potential, again, for the last window to sell. Yeah, it's really hard with players like this whose floor is zero, you know. But that said, if he comes out, and maybe not this week, he's probably going to play this week, but, you know, picking up the playbook and all that. Let's say he comes out in week four or five and, you know, has a typical, you know, 2014 Josh, 2013 Josh Gordon type of game, you know, 150 yards and two touchdowns. It's going to be really hard to click that accept button if somebody comes calling with a first at that point. But let's move on to Joe Mixon. He uh, he was off to another great start uh, on thir- last Thursday night against the Ravens, uh, really c- kind of showing up and that he is the, the running back that we all wanted him to be last season. Uh, but now he has a, a knee thing, going to be out two to three weeks after a cleanup procedure. Next week, the uh, week three, they get the Panthers. Week four, they get the Falcons. Week five, they get the Dolphins. All three of us on this show have been fans of Gio Bernard, thought he was a great buy-low opportunity this week, uh, or sorry, this, this offseason. But now that Gio's going to get a full-time duty here, maybe it's a chance to, to make a little bit of a profit for him. We saw uh, in week one when both running backs were healthy, Mixon get 42 snaps to Gio's 19. So it does seem like Gio is, is not going to be super involved as long as Mixon is on the field. So we'll go back to you here first, Dan. Are you going to take this opportunity to go ahead and sell Gio, or are you going to go ahead and just plug him in your lineup the next couple of weeks? Well, it all depends on what you can get. If you if you can get a player that you really like or like more than Gio when Mixon is on the field, I, I think you probably make the deal. Obviously, if somebody offers you a late first for him or something like that, you're jumping at that. Um, so if somebody's willing to, to overpay, you, you're going to sell him. But I, I think I feel good about having him in my, in my lineup over the next few weeks, especially if I'm a Mixon owner and I need to get through it. Um, I'm a little concerned about being a Mixon owner in a few spots, and and like all Mixon owners, I'm pretty excited about that start to the season. He looks explosive, uh, certainly looks the part of a true three-down tailback and a guy that you're going to be able to count on week in and week out to to put up fringe running back one numbers, uh, maybe even better than that. He, he probably has a higher upside than that even. So... I, you know, I'm a little bummed out about that and a little leery of the two to three week time frame that we've heard. We've heard some other orthopedic people uh, on Twitter and in other places talking about how it takes longer than that. That's a best case scenario. Don't be surprised if it's four to six weeks. And even if he does come back in two to four weeks, 
it, it might be a slow return and, and not quite to that workload. Uh, of course, I'm hoping for the best and, and want Mixon back in my lineups, but I want him back at 100% where he can do what he was doing for the first week and a half of the season. As far as Geo goes, I'm, I'm going to put it as a typical plug-and-play backup. I'm, I'm putting him in my lineup and, and taking the points he'll give me. Yeah, I, I agree, Dan. Um, honestly, I don't think this really changes the dynasty value of either guy all that much. Um, I'm with you. I liked I'd like Geo heading into the season. I have been kind of surprised his uh, role was not not larger than it than it has been through these two games so far. But obviously, that is about to change. I think if anything, this just kind of gives geo a, a trade market where there really wasn't one before you know maybe if you're the mixing owner you you threw a pick at at the geo owner to just to try to make sure you had that covered but in general he's not a guy that people were really interested in buying and and now you you know maybe maybe he's worth a second rounder but um probably better off just keeping him especially if you do need the current production dan like you mentioned all right, let's transition a little bit here. Just a couple of fun stats I saw put out on Twitter, uh, you know, post week week two here. First one by at Pyrostag said that six NFL running backs are on pace to break the single season reception record for a running back. Christian McCaffrey, of course, on a tear is on pace for 160 receptions. Chris Thompson, 152. Saquon for 128. Melvin Gordon, 120. Remember when Melvin Gordon couldn't catch the ball? That, that was the <laughs> That's what we thought about Gordon. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 120 reception pace. And Theo Riddick on pace for 112 receptions here. First question for you, Ryan, before... Uh, I get to my the ones that are on the agenda. Uh, uh, is this going to break PPR? Because I mean, <laughs> we can't just keep having these running backs that you know see 15 touches, catch 13 balls, and 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 end up as a as the fifth ranked running back for the week. What do you think this is going to do to PPR going forward? Do we need to go to half point PPR? Scott Fish, of course, is a proponent of that that point per first down. Um, I know you're about the biggest fan of PPR. So is this going to change anything for you? Probably not for me because to me it's just more points and and you know more fun honestly watching it and watching these these scores rack up but I can definitely understand that people would uh, react to this because I I don't think it's going to change the, you know these running backs are going to be more and more involved in the passing game I was looking at the current top twelve fantasy running backs seven of them have one hundred rushing yards so only seven out of twelve. Uh, on the season so far have even gained a total of 100 rushing yards, but also seven have 100 receiving yards. So uh, of those running backs that are giving us the most points so far this season, they're, they're doing it uh, essentially equally on ground and uh, through the air. And and there's a couple James Connor and Saquon Barkley who have, uh, who each have 100, uh, I'm sorry, who have 100 rushing and 100 receiving yards so far. Yeah, it just, it, it seems crazy that these satellite backs, as we've been calling them, um, I mean, it, it's, it, it's been kind of the last two seasons, starting last year with, really, with Christian McCaffrey and with 
with uh, Alvin Kamara that this is a huge matchup problem for NFL defenses right now. First and second down, instead of running the ball, you throw it to your running back instead. You have these high percentage pass plays over the middle of the field, um, and it's working. It's putting them in that short down and distance when they get to get to third down. Instead of third and long, they're in third and short because of these high percentage plays, Dan. Uh, the running back record for reception came in 2014. Matt Forte had 102 uh, the overall record was Marvin Harrison, 143 in 2002. Do you think one or both of these records fall in, in 2018? Well, I don't think any any of these running backs are going to press Marvin Harrison's record of 143 catches. Uh, I think Matt Forte is, is, is certainly one that we could debate for sure. You know, the thing for me more than anything is it's it's difficult for me to, to project who the guy that that's most likely to do it would be, uh, you know, what you were saying earlier, everything kind of points to McCaffrey and Chris Thompson, and and that's all true. What's really interesting to me of that group that we talked about there is how many of them aren't the just the satellite back, the guy who's the traditional pass catcher out of the backfield. A few of those guys we talk about as between the tackles three down guys when when you talk about Gordon and Barkley even Kamara uh and McCaffrey now they're they're not just third down backs that are on the field to to catch the football and 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 be that dump off guy for their quarterback they're like you were saying before Matt they're they're designing plays to get these guys the ball in space and it's not just those little speedy guys now Chris Thompson and and Theo Riddick certainly fit that bill for sure but Melvin Gordon is a thumper between the tackles, and when he gets the ball on the edge in space and and uh, is coming full speed at somebody, that's that's difficult. That that's difficult for a defense to to handle. So um, the 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 most intriguing part of this entire thing is is how they're using not just those pass catchers, but but the guys that are also a huge part of their offense and. Going back to what you asked Ryan, how that's going to affect our game in the long term if these guys that are getting 300 carries in a season are also catching, you know, pushing for triple digit pass catches as as well, receptions, that's, uh, man, there's going to be some big scores, some big numbers at the end of the year if that stuff holds up. Yeah, definitely. That's the biggest advantage, the biggest edge in fantasy football right now are these 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 bell cow backs, as we like to call them, that are also catching, you know, six, seven passes a game. Or in case of Saquon Barkley, 14 <laughs> passes in a game. So, uh, yeah, uh, th- go out and get yourself one of these guys early in drafts. It doesn't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. We love receivers. We love building around receivers. But honestly, the edge right now is in with these these pass catching running backs. You mentioned uh, some smaller guys like Riddick and Thompson. Another guy here that we talked about last week, Philip Lindsay, is uh, he, he did it again, guys. He's the first undrafted player in NFL history with 100-plus scrimmage yards in each of his first two games. And uh, he actually out, out-carried Royce Freeman <laughs> this week. So Royce Freeman was supposed to be the, the big bruiser back on first and second down, probably not going to catch a lot of balls. In fact, he hasn't caught one yet this season. He did have a target this week. But Lindsey, uh, with 14 carries for 107 yards versus Freeman with only eight carries for 28 yards, Freeman did get that touchdown on the ground. Um, he's got 99 yards on the season. Philip Lindsay has 178 yards on the season on just six more carries. And he's also getting a few touches in the receiving game as well. 
Booker, I think he's an afterthought at this point. I think you can probably go ahead and, and drop Booker. Uh, correct me if I'm if you guys feel differently there, you guys. But uh, right now, it feels weird to ask this question, Dan. But which one of these guys you want for the rest of the season, Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman? Well, if we're just talking this season, and and you put the snap percentages on on here, Freeman with thirty nine percent, Philip Lindsay through two weeks at thirty five percent. And Booker at 26. I, I don't necessarily think Booker is is a drop or a guy you want to uh, get rid of at this point. I think he could take over one of those two guys' roles if there was an injury. Certainly not looking to get him in my lineup or anything like that. He's an end-of-the-bench stash. But when it comes to who you want for the rest of the season, it certainly looks like Lindsey to me. And even though he's not playing quite as many many snaps as Freeman at this point, it seems like they're trying to get him the football, and, and he's a guy that they're trying to make those specific plays and those specific touches for. Watching that game, it felt to me that Freeman was was a little bit of a thumper, a little bit of a, we're going to run him straight ahead and, and, and off tackle a little bit as well. But Lindsey, we're trying to get him in space and, and create opportunities for him to turn a small gain into a big gain. And that's the kind of guy you really want on your dynasty team, particularly in PPR. If we're talking long-term, I still give a slight edge to Freeman um, just because of the draft capital, but I'm, it's certainly changing my mind what I'm seeing in that Denver backfield over the le- these last couple weeks. You know, we talked about him a week ago as, you know, a shallow league pickup and, you know, if people were sleeping in your leagues, I, I play in a lot of salary cap, uh, contract leagues, um, things where it's difficult to add players before the season. And he was a free agent in a couple of them. And I was extremely aggressive because in, in deeper leagues, it's difficult to get players that are going to get touches and, and are even flex worthy without having to give up a lot in trade. And, and I feel really good about that. Uh, I really feel like Lindsey is, is not going to be some flash in the pan. He's, he's going to be here to, for good. If he stays healthy, we should continue to expect 12 to 15 touches a week. And if they're ahead, that, that number could balloon even higher. Yeah, I mostly agree. I'm, I'm a little concerned about Lindsey's usage and, and just, uh, I, I mean, his frame and being able to keep that up throughout the season and, and certainly beyond but as far as Freeman, I mean, he's already a guy I, I didn't really pursue or didn't honestly just didn't want on my fantasy roster. So I don't think it's crazy at all to prefer uh, Lindsey to Freeman for the rest of the season or, or even in dynasty leagues. But I mean, it, it really is. It really has just been a, a, a crazy story with with Lindsey's production. And almost nobody was was on this guy, even when. Uh, even when we saw the signs of Booker struggling and, and knowing that Lindsey's primary competition was probably going to be another rookie. You know, you mentioned, Ryan, about the, you know, the concern, uh, the small body stature and, and the workload that he's getting. And, uh, you know, when I wrote the rookie report card a week ago for DLF, I, I kind of highlighted Philip Lindsay, and I went back and looked at, at some of his stuff from Colorado. And obviously – it's a big difference playing in Denver for the Broncos than it than it is for, in the Pac-12 for Colorado. But he was he was on the field a lot. He he didn't come off the field. He didn't get banged up. 
Um, got a big workload as well. He he nearly touched the ball 300 times in his junior year, uh, surpassed 300 touches in his senior year, and finding reports of a banged-up Philip Lindsay throughout his college career was difficult to find. It, it seems like there there may be a little bit of an outlier here with Lindsay. Um, he and unless I'm missing something, and I'm I'm certainly not a Colorado Buffalo fan or anything like that, so I wasn't watching closely. In fact, I had hadn't even heard of Philip Lindsay until a few months back. So uh, until until I hear otherwise, I'm going to see Philip Lindsay as a guy that can handle that workload, and I'll depend on him in the in the rosters that I have. I'll gladly put him in my flex spot. All right, let's move on to the rookie report card. Dan writes this article every single week for DLF. Dan, who are we talking about this week? Yeah, we we had a we had a few rookies that that had nice games after after not really coming through for us in week one. In fact, after week one, fellas, I was a little concerned about our rookie class. This running back class that everybody was excited about coming out of draft season was disappointing to say the least in week one outside of Saquon Barkley and even talking about the receivers that were supposed to have nice roles early in the season a lot of them laid 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 eggs as well Uh, this week I covered Antonio Callaway and Kelvin Ridley and both uh, were were in the news a little bit Callaway because of the Josh Gordon news of course and, and Ridley because he he laid such a horrible egg on Thursday night in the opener that everybody was watching where where he didn't didn't have a catch. I I was hoping to talk to you guys a little bit about Callaway cuz I I have a little bit of trouble getting a good feeling, Matt, about how to value him or or where how I feel about him as a dynasty prospect in all. All that news about Gordon is great and and I know he caught those three passes and, and 81 yards and the big touchdown. All that stuff played a lot of snaps as well. I I concluded that towards the end of the of rookie draft season, I was leery of Antonio Callaway. He started to move early third, uh, late second even in some drafts, and that was just too much for me to invest. I got him early in the draft season when he was a late third or early fourth round pick. Matt, what do you think of Callaway? Are you are you buying or selling when it comes to the rookie receiver in Cleveland? I was a big fan of his throughout most of the process. Picked up a lot of a lot of shares in the third round, early in early drafts, you know, late second and in, in, in later drafts, and then he kind of tailed off a little bit. He got had that uh, that marijuana charge uh, or uh, whatever it was. They found it in his his uh, rental car, or whatever it was. Um, and uh, that kind of cooled him off a little bit. But I kind of always believed in the talent. It was really nice to see. He only had four targets, so we've got to pump the brakes a little bit. But if I was selling him at this point, I don't think I would sell him for anything less than like a late first. And that, that's probably too high, which means I'm never going to sell him. If I was going to buy him, I'd buy him for – if I can buy him for, for an early second, I'll do that all day. So he's right there in that, that late first, early second round range uh, for me. I wouldn't sell for, for less than that first, but I would, I would certainly buy for the second. How about you, Ryan? That's kind of where I am too. Um, I, I would not expect anybody to pay a first at this point, but especially after the Gordon trade, um, it, it seems that they are relying on him in big spots. They announced going into week one that he was going to be the starter and then uh, really didn't do anything that game, but uh, of course had the big touchdown catch in in the second game. I, I, I think it's, you know, all, all signs are pointing up for him. 
and what Dan mentioned with the off-field stuff and, uh, and Matt, you mentioned as well, to me, those are the only concerns. Knowing I invested a late second or even a third-round pick on him makes it even better. Um, but, but seeing the off-field stuff does kind of push me to, to at least consider cashing out, especially if someone was willing to pay a late first. Yeah, I, I pumped the brakes hard when when all, all of us watched Hard Knocks and, and saw the saw the reports and, and all that stuff about what happened in training camp, what you were referring to there, Matt. And it just, it that kind of stuff scares me that we could end up in a big mess. And I think there is probably an opportunity at some point, and, and maybe we should all just sit still and see what Antonio Callaway does because we have such such little, you know, not so much invested in, in him. We Only giving up a third-round pick for Callaway, it'd be fun to for that guy to turn into something that you could use week in and week out for sure. Uh, I'm still a little bit leery. I, I might be a little bit more risk-averse than a lot of dynasty owners, especially when it comes to off-the-field stuff. He certainly was fun to watch in college. He, his highlight reel already in Cleveland is enticing for sure as well. But when it comes to that that stuff that you know, and and all the all the off the field and the marijuana and, and that kind of stuff, I, I get I get a little bit queasy when it comes to that. Uh, you know, all those scouting reports said he was a first round talent that slid in the draft. Maybe maybe he's a first round dynasty talent as well that slid in the draft because of the same reason. The other guy that I wrote about Ryan is Kelvin Ridley, and and anybody who listens to the podcast knows how much. I like Ridley and, and everything that he brings to to the Falcons, especially. That landing spot is just prime, and I, I love the opportunity he's getting with a, with a very good quarterback, with a running game, with an elite receiver across from him. Um, four catches, 64 yards, and that touchdown. That touchdown was sick, guys. That, that, that shake, that hesitation and shake and go for the slant, cross his face, catch it and get it in the end zone. That was nice. I, I, that is everything that I like about Calvin Ridley in one quick play. And then we saw him run those crossing routes later in the game, uh, turn short yardage passes into big gains with that run after the catch. All the things I like about Ridley, Ryan, was shown in week two. They said they were going to try to get him the ball more. I concluded the rookie report card saying, you know, remembering back to draft season and all the Marvin Harrison comparisons, and I'm on board with it now. I said, I said, hold on with that stuff early. I like it now. He, he's he's a wide receiver one, uh, waiting to happen. If you ask me, I know you were you were a little leery, Ryan. Is is anything coming around with Ridley? Uh... Man, I'm not ready to go to to Marvin Harrison levels yet. Um, he had a he had a good game. I was encouraged to see him. Um, I guess used more than or targeted more than Muhammad Sanu. I think that's a, a good uh, next step for him. And and honestly, at this point, that would essentially be his ceiling if he can truly become the number two target on that offense. We know he's not going to eclipse Julio Jones anytime soon, but if he can regularly see more targets than Sanu, more targets than Hooper, uh, more targets even than Tevin Coleman, I think he is going to be set up for some success and and uh, giving us dynasty owners a, a, a nice payoff on what we spent on him. Yeah, and I, I think 
that it's going to be an up or down ride as a as a rookie. We shouldn't expect big things. We're not even expecting four catches for 64 and a touchdown every week. There, there's going to be some ups and downs for sure, Matt. But, we're, you know, we're going to talk about buys and sells here in a little bit. And I so badly wanted to put Calvin Ridley as my buy and because and I'll give away my first-round pick in a heartbeat a year from now. And if it costs me my first and second, if I'm a contender, I'm probably doing that too. Uh, it feels like he's going to be that, that wide receiver one down the road. You're going to have to be patient, but he's a guy I'm going to want on all my dynasty teams in a year. Yeah, I, I'm not willing to go with you there. I don't even know if I honestly, unless I'm, you know, I know we're all contenders on this show at all times, right? We're all, we're always winning now. So I guess we'll say that all of our picks are always a late first. You might be able to convince me to go ahead and do that. But the wide receiver class next year is, is so good and so deep that uh, as much as I like Ridley, and I do really think that he's a perfect fit in that offense, a nice compliment to who Julio does. Uh, hey, might even score more touchdowns this season than Julio, right? <laughs> if uh, any of the last couple seasons are by any stretch but uh that that next year wide receiver class is so good so i don't know if i'm going there there with you on that one um and we're gonna go ahead and uh shift gears again here uh in the nfl this season is so short uh guys that, that after two weeks we start seeing these trends i think we'll even solidify a little bit more next week after week three when we're what 20 25 of the way through the the fantasy regular season which sounds weird to say after so so long of a wait uh but you know one week is an aberration two weeks starts to see a trend uh, we've been talking a lot about a lot of redraft stuff because that's kind of the mindset we're all in right now but uh, I wanted to run through a couple of these 0-2 teams, the teams that, that, that are probably not going to make the playoffs. I don't think that's too much of a stretch to see. Um, and, and, and honestly, it sounds weird to say I want to acquire any players that we're gonna, on these teams that we're going to talk about uh, right now for, for 2018. But we have to keep that dynasty mindset in, in our minds and uh, really kind of look through and see if there's any any anything to be mined here from these really terrible teams. So let's start with Buffalo. It's got to be up a toss-up between them and Arizona right now for the worst office, offense in the NFL. So maybe I'll throw them at you guys uh, as, a, as a duo here. Dan, we'll start with you. Uh, Buffalo, Arizona, anybody on, on these two teams that you're looking to kind of buy low on going into maybe uh, – maybe not looking forward to starting them this year, but looking forward to starting them in 2019 and beyond? Well, first of all, Arizona's easily the worst team in the league, if, if you ask me. Way worse than Buffalo. I think the opposite could be said about if there's anything that dynasty or fantasy owners could use on the, on the <laughs> rosters. It doesn't seem like there's really anything in Buffalo and that includes shady McCoy. That's a mess up there. So I guess if I were, we're going to have to choose one of the teams, it'd be Arizona, try to mine something out of there. Um, you know, all of us that are contenders and, and trying to put together a, a quality run at a title are, you know, we typically look to those veteran players, those guys that have been around a lot. And it seems like Larry Fitzgerald has been on that list for years. And that's because he has. And although that quarterback situation is ugly and there's almost certainly going to be a quick hook for Bradford at at some point here in favor of a rookie, I still feel like he's going to be the guy that, that will consistently get the football. uh, And, and there, there, there's going to be, some fantasy relevance there at the very least. And what's nice about that is it it seems to me that every dynasty owner out out there is down on these two teams and and especially Arizona. I think it's even bleeding into David Johnson a little bit that, that 
you know, maybe his value hasn't gone down, but that David Johnson owner might be a little bit more willing to move on today than he was a week ago, and, and certainly more than he was two weeks ago. So I, I think there's something to be done here, for sure, and uh, it may not be a glamorous addition uh, from the Cardinals or, or the Bills, but um, dynasty owners everywhere are watching the same games we are, and they're certainly seeing that wow, it might be time to get out before this gets any worse in these two cities. Yeah, my guy, I was going to say from Arizona would be David Johnson. I know that's, I don't know, it's not necessarily a buy low right now. But, you know, I, I think there is a chance now where he was not acquirable uh, maybe before this season, now after two subpar games. And they didn't even throw him the ball really in, in week two, which I just, I don't understand. Um, you know, there might be a chance you'd be able to buy off him. It's probably going to be a rough 2018 for him. But we know what he can do on the field, and we hope this offense gets together once once Rosen gets on the field and is maybe going to be a little bit more excited going into 2019. Just to give you guys an idea of how terrible Arizona was this week, their their drives went with eight punts, one interception. That was that was it. That's all they had, eight punts and one interception. Only five first downs. Two of those came on the final drive, and they didn't even cross midfield until the second to the last play of the game. So really tough times in Arizona right now. Dan, you have something else? I have to disagree with you, Matt, on, on one quick thing, that, that it's going to be a rough 2018 for David Johnson. I, I think this thing's going to turn around. Even the worst coach in the league has to, at some point, say, who's my best player and what can change this offensive trend that we're on right now? Uh, so there's going to be a change there. They're going to finally realize, we got to get this guy the football. Uh, we got to do what what his strengths are, and that's getting him the ball all over the field and as many times as possible, and that, that Arizona offense has to turn around at least to some extent, and that means David Johnson touching the ball a lot and uh, is catching the ball for sure. I'm not confident that it it will turn around, and that has nothing to do with Johnson and more to do with the coaching staff. And I mean, Mike McCoy is their offensive coordinator, and he's a guy who's already shown us that he – doesn't for whatever reason doesn't like to use his running backs in the passing game we saw that in San Diego with uh, Melvin Gordon and now Gordon's one of these guys that we're talking about that's on pace to break the the reception record at the running back position Um, so when McCoy was there he was he was hardly being used we saw that turnaround we also saw him just in general be stubborn with uh, guys like Hunter Henry uh, and and using and you know an over-the-hill Antonio Gates Uh, and and not getting Henry in there much. So I'm not going to give McCoy credit for, um, you know, suddenly seeing the light or turning things around. And and as far as Johnson's dynasty value, I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, if you're talking even up trade value, there might've been four or five guys that you could say you would trade David Johnson for, right? Maybe it's Zeke or, Barkley or uh, Antonio Brown or whoever it might be that Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, those guys. Now I think that list, I think that could be 20. I think it could be 20 players that you could sell for, for David Johnson. Um, you know, and we're talking down to like uh, Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs. I think one for one, those types of trades are going to happen. 
Yeah, I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say, Ryan. Is 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 Dan is is taking on Sigmund Bloom's term here, the assumption of rational coaching, right? I just don't know if there there is a rational coach there leading that offense. I mean, maybe what needs to happen in terms of the turnaround is that this offense is so bad for four weeks and, and the OC gets fired and we have a little bit of boost um, from whoever else they bring in. And I, I was going to put this at the end, uh, but since we're here talking about David Johnson right now, let's play a little bit of this or that at the running back position. I'll start all the way down at running back 11 in September ADP, Ryan and Dan. Uh, Melvin Gordon, running back 11. Which one you want, Gordon or Johnson? I'll take Gordon. Yeah, I'll take Gordon too. That doesn't sound right, but, but I will. How about Kareem Hunt at running back 10? I'm going to take Johnson on that one. I think that's close as well. Um, and that, that probably goes to show how much value Gordon is is gaining. I think I'll still go Johnson also. How about McCaffrey? You know which way I'm going on that one. <laughs> I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go McCaffrey. Oh, I'm going to lean Johnson still. That's a close one. So Fournette is at running back eight, but he's, he's, he's going to be lower than that for me coming up. I would take Johnson over Fournette, but at running back eight, where, where are you guys going? I'll say Johnson as well. Me too. Okay. So I think we found the line there somewhere in that running back, uh, you know, nine to nine to 10 range, eight to 10 range where we might feel comfortable moving on for Johnson. If we were, we're contending this year, the issue with the issue with his trade value. And I kind of mentioned this actually on a recent dynasty blueprint as well. Right now, there are so many wide receivers, and whether you want to argue it's the top tier or the second tier, but there's at least five of these young wide receivers that are all essentially valued at about the same level right now. And it's Diggs, it's Michael Thomas, and Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill, and guys like that, uh, Keenan Allen. And if you think one of those guys is somebody you would take over David Johnson, then you almost have to put all of them in there. And then it, it takes him from a conversation, you know, maybe he's around 10 overall or 12 overall. Now all of a sudden he's 17 overall. And, and that's, that's kind of where I was coming from with throwing out that number of 20 guys or so that uh, could potentially be flipped in a 1v1 trade. Yeah, I mean, all the way down, I mean, for you, maybe Juju's even there. Would you, would you move Johnson for Juju right now? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, so we're all the way down at wide receiver. I mean, that, it there. sounds crazy, but it's, uh, it's but at the same time, fellas, Juju's moved up in these rankings too. I, I don't think oh sure giving him a four, the fourteen number is is fair anymore either. Sure, he's he's probably the names I just threw out Hill and Adams. He's he's in that group now. Absolutely, I think the lesson here for dynasty owners might be that what we know. What we knew coming into even week one, two weeks ago, 14 days ago, is, is not a reality anymore. Right now, things have changed drastically over just a couple of weeks. And this that's not an overreaction. It needs to be, it's legitimate. It should be something that dynasty owners everywhere are thinking. Yeah, I, I since we're here also, this wasn't part of the agenda. We're off on a little bit of a tangent now, but good conversation to have, I think, is, is you know, after week one and even after week two, we got a lot of people on Twitter saying things and other people responding with overreaction. This is dynasty. It's the long game, yada, yada. But I, I'm of the opinion that we should be reacting, even if it's a little bit of an overreaction, rather than just sitting and waiting, you guys. What do you, what do you think about Especially that? Especially when you're talking about the extreme youth that we're talking about. These players that we're talking about right now are – some of them might not even be rookies, but we're talking about 21 and 22 year old guys that had had 
elite talent coming into the league already. Juju Smith-Schuster showed it as a rookie. There, there, There's a big outcome range for him. And it's becoming apparent that he's on the high end of that. And we need to adjust now before everybody else does or else we'll miss our window. We'll miss our chance. Let's get back track on here. We're talking about some bad offenses that we maybe want to try to mine some dynasty value for. It seemed like nobody wanted to talk talk about nobody wanted to talk about Buffalo. I could understand that. Are we just going to say there's nobody on Buffalo we want to buy for 2019? No, absolutely. I, I, I think I think there are, there is actually. Okay. Um, you know, Zay Jones is, has been the leading receiver two weeks in a row. I know Dan is, is has been a supporter of him, and, and I was gonna. I was hoping somebody else would mention it because it <laughs> sounds horrible when I say it. Well, if the if the premise is for 2019, then sure, give me Zay Jones because I think he can be had for pennies at this point, uh, and I think not only is he the best. Um, the best receiving option on that team. He's, he's pretty much the only one. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin probably shouldn't even be on dynasty rosters at this point. He's, he's hanging on with name value only. And in a super flex league, I'll take Josh Allen easily. Absolutely. I'm taking Allen as well. I I think Benjamin's upside for having on a roster is hopefully he catches a touchdown or two in a game and you can sell him for anything. Uh, and, and that can be said about most of the other players on the roster as well. I want Josh Allen, and obviously I still want Zay Jones. Uh, I sold a couple shares in the offseason just to hedge a little bit, and uh, but I'm still rooting for that guy. I still see the talent for sure. Let's go to Detroit. This seems pretty easy because there's so much talent on that team, but yet here we are at 0-2. Um, I don't think you can necessarily buy Galladay right now for anything reasonable. It seems like he is he's going to be the wide receiver one, at least in terms of fantasy in that offense right now. Um, and then the other two guys are older, so may not maybe not guys you want to invest in unless you're playing for 2018. But my guy from Detroit is Carryon Johnson. I really feel like he is by far the best running back on that roster of the last two weeks playing way better than both Theo Riddick and LeGarrette Blunt, and of course, better than Amir Abdullah. So I feel like maybe dynasty owners are still a little bit down on him from from not really seeing as much work as they thought he might, and then com- combined with the fact that this team isn't isn't really playing that well in general, you guys. Uh, anything to be mind other than carry on Johnson from Detroit, Ryan? No, I, I would agree. I mean, obviously I would love to buy some Kenny Galladay shares, but – uh, they're going to be very, very costly, so probably not the best time to do that. Uh, I'm with you on Johnson, although I think he's still pretty expensive too. D- Detroit's just an interesting team because we thought they were going to at least contend for a playoff spot, and, and they still could. Uh, we're just two weeks in, of course, but uh, it, it's been a rough two-game stretch for them, especially that opener against the Jets. Uh, but they do have – they've got a little bit for everybody, no matter what – uh, shape your fantasy team is in uh, you could of course target Jones or Tate I think they're still going to be solid uh, fantasy starters wide receiver threes at least uh, and, and then of course Stafford and even Theo Riddick in PPR leagues and then as you mentioned Galladay and and carry on for the long term it seems like carry on and you mentioned it Ryan he's going to be expensive all those owners still see the upside and, and know that they invested the fourth pick in the in a rookie draft to get him he, he's going to be costly for sure and I don't think I'm making that kind of investment if you can get a buy obviously you're going to do it 
But if, if you need to give the equivalent to a high first-round draft pick for him, I'm not willing to go that far. I think you could have him fairly, maybe not super cheap, but cheaply. I just pulled up a few trades on, on DLS Trade Finder. He went for a second and Jalen Richard. I don't know what that's all about. Whoa. We can probably throw that one out. <laughs> Dion Lewis and Cameron Meredith for Carrion Johnson and Quincy Anunua. I would make that deal for Carrion. Not close. Um yeah, uh, carry on. This one is a little bit interesting. Carry on Johnson and James Washington for Corey Davis. Uh, I think I probably am on carry on side on that one, honestly. Um, but anyway, I, I think you're right. He's probably going to be fairly expensive, but I, I think there are, are opportunities to, to still buy. Maybe maybe uh, uh, even lower than he was be, he was going at the in those late rookie drafts. Um, let's play since we talked about Galladay a little bit. Let's play a little this or that with him in terms of wide receivers. I can't wait for October's ADP, Ryan, because oh. right now Galladay is wide receiver forty two in September's ADP. I have to imagine he's going to be up in the twenties maybe the, the late 20s once we get to uh, October. So let's start with wide receiver. Uh, I'm not even going to start with wide receiver 24. Wide receiver 24 in September is Chris Hogan. We all know it's carry on there. Josh Gordon, 23. I think we're probably all taking uh, uh, Galladay at that point. Um, so let's start at 22 with Sammy Watkins. You Galladay or Sammy Watkins? That's sickening. It's <laughs> it's for sure Galladay. It's like a landslide Galladay. Yeah, Galladay. Uh, Marvin Jones at 21 is not going to be in the conversation. Baldwin, I don't think, is going to be in that conversation with him. I'm pretty sure everybody's taking Galladay there, too. How about Adam Thielen? I want Thielen. I want Thielen, too. And and I I still think there would be a, a large number of people preferring Baldwin to Galladay as well. I feel like it is, too. I, when you said Baldwin, I, I was leaning Baldwin before you said that. Okay, well, maybe I'm wrong there. I just feel like with that injury, maybe in, in recency bias, maybe people aren't going to want Baldwin. Hashtag overreact. <laughs> Someone did ask me to predict where I thought he would show up in, in October ADP, uh, and and I threw out wide receiver 23, honestly, without without looking at ADP or, or really without even thinking too much. Uh, but this conversation makes me feel pretty good about that. That's... Seems like about the spot he'll he'll slot in. Well, of course we'll see him with a big increase, but I think some of these other uh, receivers are going to jump as well. Cortland Sutton was wide receiver twenty eight. I think he will climb. Uh, will Fuller was thirty three. He's going to jump. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see quite a few of these guys really shift around. That that was actually my next my next one for you guys. I know they're a little bit lower, but DJ Moore and Cortland Sutton. You want Galladay over those guys? Um, mm. <laughs> they're, in the same, tough, right? they're in the same. Boy, they're, they're in the same yeah, tier. They're in the same tier. That's that's really tier. close. If you were on the clock, and especially if you're building young, they, they those are a lot of really good names right there. You're, <laughs> you're gonna have a tough decision. Hopefully, it's on a turn so you can get two of them, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm still taking the rookies, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault anybody for going the other way. I was leaning towards Galladay. But I I'm, I feel the same way. I, I feel like they they're going to be back to back to back, or, and maybe a couple other names similar to those guys uh, along with them. I definitely want Galladay over Ridley. I know that. Ugly. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, straight up right now, Dan. Are you taking <laughs> you taking Ridley over Galladay? I'm taking Ridley for sure. Oh man, I wish I had I wish I had Ridley. They're they're there. like they're similar. <laughs> they're they're very similar. They're he's going to be in that group right with those three. 
He's not similar. Galladay is six foot four. No, not a similar player. <laughs> similar ADP. I'm similar just messing ADP. with you. No, I know. Uh, one, I want to talk about one more team here real quick, you guys. I have a whole list of them, but one more team I want to talk about real quick is Seattle. Because Seattle, they seem like they have almost nothing in that passing game outside of Baldwin, who we don't really know when he's going to be back. The running backs are a mess. I mean, we probably still want Russell Wilson, especially in Superflex. Uh, Tyler Lockett has had a, a couple of okay games, but – Anyone here you're really quote unquote pounding the table for in Seattle for 2019 and beyond? Uh, no, I mean out, outside <laughs> yeah. of Russell Wilson, I mean I, I, I'm, no Will Disney. I'm not, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm I'm not giving <laughs> up on on Rashad Penny as far as his value, but uh, kind of like I mentioned with Freeman earlier, he was he was another guy that I was lower on than most. So I I, I just don't have many shares to make decisions with. Fortunately, um, yeah, it's to me, it's Russ and, and that's it outside of Baldwin. Yeah. A lot of holds, a lot of holds in, in Seattle. There's, there's not much you can do with those, those other names outside of Russell Wilson. He's going to hold his value. Everybody else there, you have to wait and see and, and hope they figure something up, figure something out up there in Seattle. All right, guys, we're wrapping up the show here. Let's go to our buy and sell of the week. Dan, we'll start with you. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna do a homer pick this week. Oh, I really liked what I saw surprised. out of Jimmy Graham last week. I, I think you know we've seen, and the really, really the reason I wanted to talk about Jimmy Graham is because there's been injuries at the position, and and you know we saw Trey Burton. He hasn't quite come around yet. We all expect him to, but there's there's some disappointments to go along with him. So you know contenders out there that are are looking for a guy that they can plug into their lineup and expect the good quality return. I think Graham is going to be a big part of that Packers offense. He, he had 95 yards uh, in week two on, I think five catches. Don't quote me on that one. Um, But he could have had 120 and a touchdown, if not for a a holding call on Lane Taylor. And, And anybody that didn't watch that football game, would have seen that play and thought, wow, that that's what they want to use Jimmy Graham doing. He was isolated, three wide receivers on the right. They put Graham on the left in one-on-one coverage, no safety over the top when you have Adams and Cobb and Allison on the other side stacked together. So they're going to create those opportunities for Graham. I still, even though he doesn't have a touchdown, I still think he's getting double digits. And a contender, that means over the next 14 weeks, he's going to catch a touchdown in all but four of those weeks. What are you? What are you paying for Graham, Dan? I'm paying a first for sure. Wow. Yeah. You can, a first you can on him. a contender, you bet. It's going to be a Whew. late first that way. You should own him in every league, then. Seriously, that, that will buy that will buy him in in every league, all the leagues. Yeah, unless it's like a super pre tight end premium league, maybe. I mean, I I like what he did last week too, but I'm definitely not as optimistic as you there, Ryan. Who's your buy of the week? Uh, I'm going the complete opposite end of the spectrum than Dan with his his old old man love there. <laughs> I'm going with James Washington. Uh, we saw him. Hey, catch why his... do I why do I catch flack when I love a rookie like Ridley and then catch it again? <laughs> he's also old man. I love Graham. I can't, I can't win. Man. I'll just pick guys in the middle. I guess. Uh, James Washington called his first career touchdown. I was a little disappointed that that was his only catch of the game. He saw five targets and only hauled in one of those, but uh, it was encouraging that Justin Hunter was a healthy scratch uh, since Hunter had had been a little bit of a, a block to 
Washington's playing time in the first week. And we've always seen the Steelers, you know, come up with this young wide receiver. It's been Juju. It's been Martavis. It's been Antonio Brown. It's been uh, all these other guys in the past, Emmanuel Sanders. So they always have this young wide receiver that uh, outperforms expectations. And I think it might be James Washington. And hopefully it will be this year and not next. Uh, I don't think he'll cost a first rounder. I'm not quite willing to pay that, but I would pay multiple second rounders for him. Yeah, I I love that call, and I think he could have had a second touchdown there if uh, the ball was a little bit better thrown, so we could really be talking about Washington this week. Love that one. Um, I went with Chris Thompson. We talked about him a little bit at the beginning of the show. I mean, if I'm on, a, if I'm a contender, I'm paying a late first. He's getting all those receptions. He's getting some run between the tackles. We know that Adrian Peterson is 33 and probably not going to hold up over a whole season. Um, and, and if, if we're looking staring at, at Rob Kelly and, and, and Samaj P. Ryan, then I think Chris Thompson could get even more of that. So um, both for, for this year and beyond, I want Chris Thompson for a late first. Let's go to our cells. Uh, I'm going to throw out mine first here, guys. This might be a little controversial, but I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and sell Dalvin Cook. If I can make a lateral move to anybody really in that range, I don't think you could get Christian McCaffrey for him anymore. But even uh, 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 Kareem Hunt, one of those guys in there, um, then I will make that swap. I'll also sell him for two first. I just I I just don't the the laundry list of injuries. It just keeps happening. I just I just want out on him. Uh, I feel a little bit similarly about about uh, uh, Leonard Fournette, too in that range. So somebody else can have them. It just seems like the passing game is really clicking there in Minnesota. Um, if I can get out on Del- Dalvin cook for value right now, I will. Dan, how about you? Um, my guy is, is not really a sell high or anything like that, but it's another Packer. It's Jamal Williams. Um, he had 16 carries in week two for 59 yards and, and caught three passes for 12 yards. And you know, that doesn't add up to a whole lot, but it might be enough to make somebody, interested i really think aaron jones is going to come back this week he's going to grab a hold of that job it might take him a week or so to to truly grab hold of that job but it's going to be his at some point he's way more explosive and if if i can find somebody who's a fan of jamal williams who let's face it his his best asset is his blocking he's a nice blocker in the passing game for for aaron Rodgers. they trust him um, that's not the guy you want on your fantasy team, though. I'd re- much rather have Aaron Jones. Yeah, I went with Jordan Reed. Uh, he's off to a good start this season so far. He's tied in nine currently uh, and, and playing well. I think this is this is what happens. This is what he does. He lulls us into this belief that he's going to be a tight end one all season, and then the, the injuries uh, start to pop up. So uh, I've been fooled by that one too many times. If I still have him, I'm going to go ahead and sell now while things look good uh, before they go wrong. And you'll take what? A second? Uh, I'll take a second. I mean, even we could, we could go after uh, we've seen Howard have a big game. We've seen uh, Njoku get a lot of targets. Mike Gusecki hasn't really done anything. If I can get any of those guys, even if I have to add a little, I'd go that way too. All right, let's wrap up with a couple of listener questions here at the Real MCG One says, "How do we know that PM3 Pat Mahomes uh, is legit? He's had a similar run that Watson was on last year, but he has better weapons and coaching. I mean, are you watching football? This guy is real, right? We, we don't. He's legit. I don't know what more reason we can give. He's broke the 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 the, the touchdown record for the first two games set by Peyton Manning with ten. I don't know. This question seems pretty easy to me, you guys. I think the more interesting question is, what are we going to nickname Pat Mahomes going forward? Because he needs one. 
you know, the, going back to the original question, <laughs> we we can only go off of what we've seen, right? I, I don't know what what you really want. How do we know he's legit? Because well, I watch both the games. Uh, that that those are NFL defenses. That's good enough for me. Um, I don't think you're getting any discounts on on Pat Mahomes anytime soon. That's for sure. Ryan, how long till he's the quarterback one in Dynasty? Is it going to happen in October? As far as ADP, uh, I think it certainly could. Uh, if you're talking about rankings, I think some people are already there. Uh, I actually put out a series of uh, of polls about his value, uh, just essentially matching him up against the top uh, handful of quarterbacks. He blew everybody out of the water except for Aaron Rodgers. I think that poll was around 50-50, and, and each of those polls got well over 1,000 votes. So Newton... Uh, Wilson, Watson, uh, Garoppolo, all those, all the other guys, Wentz, uh, he, he just ran laps around those guys as far as these poll, poll results. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of people are, are ready to crown him right now. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm no scout or anything like that, obviously, but, um, the, the people who are talk about his, his arm strength and, and just his traits and, and already are comparing him to some of the, the greatest who have ever done it. So uh, add that with probably the best group of weapons uh, and supporting cast in the league. And there's, there's really not much of a reason to doubt him right now. Yeah. I mean, just watching him, it, it might be an overreaction, but he's making throws that maybe three to five quarterbacks in the, in the entire league can make right now. It's just what he's doing is incredible. All of his weapons are young and are going to grow with them. You know, I guess Kelsey is a little bit older, but all of these guys are on, uh, except for again with Kelsey, are on these these cheap contracts. So there's nowhere to go up but up for these guys, this offense, this whole team. Um, once they get a defense behind them, this team is going to be really scary. So um, oh, and Matt, to answer your other question. Uh- <laughs> One, you, got a, did, you got a nickname? I, I don't have it. Uh, somebody came up with it, and, and Mahomes endorsed it. Showtime. Showtime. Okay. That's, I like it. Evidently, that is his, his nickname. Okay. I'll take it. Um, and with that, you guys, uh, we had a few more questions, but we're out of time. So we'll make sure to, to get to more of those next week on the DLF Dynasty podcast. Uh, have a good week three, everybody. For my friends, Ryan and Dan, we're going to get out of here. Have a wonderful week. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Let me try that Dynasty. Again. Just Dynasty. <clears throat>